This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, September 14th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Government is a lousy lender, but that hasn't stopped the feds from moving more deeply into the allocation of capital in a wide range of areas. Mike Brannon is a visiting fellow at the Cato Institute. He writes in the latest Regulation magazine about government's poor record discerning qualified borrowers. What roles does the government have in, broadly speaking, lending? It has a lot of them. It has way too many, in my opinion. Um, so in housing, it plays an enormous role. Uh, and it, it does so in two different ways. The first thing, um, of course, is that it has uh, – we have a tax incentive call where we allow people to deduct the uh, mortgage interest they pay on their house. Um, this costs the federal government about $80 billion a year in foregone taxes. Uh, the 10-year budget number that CBO uses is about a trillion. Um, and this greatly influences um, the, the, the housing market. And the, the, it doesn't help anyone buy houses, right? The, the dirty little secret is that only 30% of all individuals itemize, the richest 30%. And so those are the only ones who avail themselves of the mortgage interest deduction. And it's not people that buy houses in another way because a lot of people, uh, it's anybody who has a mortgage, yeah. not, not people who buy houses, right? There's a difference. Right. Yeah, exactly. This, this has completely distorted that market. So it encourages people to um, uh, take out bigger loans and buy bigger houses if they can. And so, um, you know, a lot of things have... Uh, you know, depending on where you're at on the whole uh, McMansion thing, uh, there's a lot of blame to go around about whether or not the the, the, the expansion of suburbia and the bigger the growth of housing is, is a good thing or a bad thing. But it's largely been driven by the mortgage interest deduction. So people buy bigger lot sizes. Yeah, and they fill up that uh, they fill up those lots with uh, with with bigger houses. So look, people are getting wealthier. I mean, you know, I, I this notion that uh, somehow the last three or four decades has emissarized the, the U.S. Is, is nonsense. If we, our standard of living, by any honest measure, has improved greatly. And so what people have done is they've, they've used some of this, a good portion of, of uh, the generally increasing incomes, to, to have bigger and, and nicer houses. But this has been greatly exacerbated by the tax incentives. All right. So uh, as I've talked with Mark Calabria in the past, uh, he advocates getting rid of the mortgage interest deduction. Uh, that's absolutely. Mark and I are on the same page of that. We should get rid of it. Uh, I think the, the realtors have a contract out on my life. I've written so much about it. Um, so yes, it, it does absolutely no good. Um, and and the re- and it's the realtors and the home builders and the mortgage bankers are the reason we'll never get rid of that. Right? Um, realtors benefit greatly from this because it it increases the value and the cost of the upper end houses, and that's where they make all their money. So you kind of look at the 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 budget of these entities, right? The realtors, uh, uh, their annual, their their lobbying group here, their tr- interest group, uh, their annual budget is three hundred million dollars a year, and they've made comments like, "We could we could raise twice that if there was ever a push against the mortgage interest deduction." Right? There's, it's hard to find anyone who has any vested interest in defeating the mortgage interest deduction. So, um, in, there there has been this backdoor push to get rid of the mortgage interest deduction. And and that is in uh, these tax proposals, um, sort of like what um, the, uh, the House of Representatives Blueprint for Economic Growth uh, has in it. Jeb Bush had this. And what those do is they greatly increase the personal exemption 
and they lower tax rates. And what this does is instead of 30% of everyone itemizing, in those plans it was less than 5%. Well, it's only 4 or 5% of everybody itemizing. All of a sudden, it becomes a lot easier to uh, to get rid of uh, certain deductions, right? Then it's the mortgage the backers of the mortgage deduction have nothing else to say when people say, "Look, this is only going to the upper upper echelons." Um, so uh, they're they're pushing back hard on the uh, on those plans as well. And it and it uh, essentially contributes to people going into debt when they might not otherwise. That's right. That's right. And this is a, yeah. People, people take out more, it's a rational decision to take out more mortgage debt because of this. Speaking of going into debt when you might not otherwise, the government has also uh, taken a massive expansion of its role in student lending over the past 10 years. That's right. So, um, there is, uh, it's exceeded $1 trillion right now. Um, and uh, basically, the government now has a, uh, a monopoly on this. And uh, so, one of the things I argue in that uh, piece is that um, a government monopoly in this has been a, a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, what it's what it's done essentially is it's it's created the same sort of environment that that um, that led to the housing crisis and financial collapse in 2008. Um, so, the big problem right now is there is a gigantic disintermediation between students who borrow for college and their colleges. So. If your son or daughter is going to go attend um, Harvard uh, and they have to pay full freight and they take out student loans, Harvard does not care whether or not your child has a wherewithal to finish college and pay that money back. Right? They're going to get that money no matter what. And so colleges have this incentive to take students who might not be all that good at college because they know they're going to get their money. So um, I think. You know, I'm kind of agnostic about the difference between for-profit and non-profit colleges, but um, the for-profit colleges have definitely uh, taken advantage of this of this fact. So they are very aggressive about recruiting people and encouraging them to take out student loans because as soon as they get the student loans, they don't care at all what happens to that student next post. And for a lot of colleges, uh, you see very high rates of remediation for schools, and I assume student lending contributes somewhat to that. Yeah, no, that's right. So uh, you know, I, I have a, an, another report coming out. Um, at the end of this month, by uh, it's being published by the Wisconsin Policy Research Institute, and one of the things I look at there are just um, in the University of Wisconsin, what are the student retention rates at the various colleges, and um, uh, an amazingly small number of people graduate from a public college after four years. Um, at Madison, the, the flagship university, where you have to have excellent SAT scores and grade points to get in, it's well below fifty percent. For a school like the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, a fine school, fine regional school, one I taught at, um, that number is more like 25%. Like it's rare to have somebody finish in four years. And after six or seven years at a place like Oshkosh, barely half of those students who started have, uh, have finished a degree. And um, th- there's many problems. Right? Big, I'm not sure the best way to educate, uh, uh, give college education to students is to have these uh, large universities. And it, my, my piece is about how to fix them. But um, they are taking in, there's no doubt they are taking in students who they know do not have the wherewithal to finish college. And so one of the points I make in that paper is, um, who are we doing a favor for when we admit somebody who has very little chance of, of getting into college, and then encouraging them to take on some debt in order to finance that? Like, if that's not exploitation, I'm not sure what it is. As you point out, the colleges have nothing to lose, so student lending 
seems to be a, a Benny for universities and not quite as much for students. That's right, because uh, the elasticity of supply for college education is relatively uh, relatively low, so most of that shows up in higher prices. So, um, you know, one of the, the, the things that I think people um, have trouble with is when they see high sticker prices, oh my gosh, college is so expensive. Well, it, it's, it's expensive for a small number of people, right? Most people get some kind of financial aid, but... Um, one of the downsides is that is that when people do get financial aid, a lot of times that simply uh, lowers how much f- they get outside financial aid or they get student loans. That that lowers how much money they end up getting from the college, and that all that money just gets captured by the college, and they say, "Well, we're not going to give you a discount after all." To say nothing of the Small Business Administration, <laughs> right? We're talking about government as a as as you say, a lousy lender. But the Small Business Administration has a has a pretty poor track record. Yeah, I, I think that's right. It's it's inherently difficult for anybody to figure out which small business is going to boom and which isn't going to boom. Right? We we have this entire venture capital industry in Silicon Valley, and, and there's a, there's a smaller one in DC and elsewhere, and that's that's what they do is they try to identify which small firms are going to grow and. Look, these venture capitalists who have really smart people who have a lot of money writing on the outcome of their bets, they make a lot more mistakes than they get things right. You know, every once in a while they hit a Facebook, but um, usually they, they they hit a lot of clunkers. And the, the idea that the that the federal government is going to have a bunch of GS12s try to do the same thing, um, it, it's of course absurd. And we haven't even mentioned uh, really the ways that the government controls the process of lending without being a direct lender uh, itself. Well, you know, you know, one other thing I, I'm not sure I, I mentioned this in this piece is uh, what's going on right now is a bunch of states are are starting their own retirement savings accounts. I, I think this is just a, a terrible, terrible precedent to set. And the idea is, well, these people, if their, gov- if their uh, employer isn't starting some kind of retirement account, the state should have this, and the state can run it like just like it runs these college accounts. And first of all, like I have a college retirement account for my children, and these aren't run all that well at all. Granted, look, they, they farm these things out, but uh, the dirty little secret is, when Washington, D.C. asked State Street Investments to run their fund, they're not charging the same rates they would charge you and I if we went in off the street and went there. They charge an extra half percentage point. And uh, State Street gets to keep that for their little uh, uh, their their pot of uh, cash, and then Washington, D.C. keeps that for their administration. So, uh, you know, the Department of Labor just passed this large regulation trying to reduce how much uh, retirement investors uh, charge on their uh, on their fees for people who are investing with them. And at the same time, they're creating this whole new competitor for them that's going to charge higher fees, but it's going to have this inherent default advantage. It, to me, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling that they're doing these things at almost the same time. Back to housing, you know, if you get an FHA loan for your home, what is the amount you put down? Three and a half percent? Uh, I, th- I think today it's something like that. Which has been identified, uh, not that specific thing, but low down payments uh, for homes was a key factor in the housing collapse. What's What's more, this administration is putting pressure on lenders to do more to lend to, um, to minorities and other uh, people who generally have lower housing rates. It, it really is. It's seven years after the financial collapse. It's like it never happened. We're doing the same things we did uh, back in the early 2000s. I, I, it, 
to me, it's just, it's mind-boggling to have the president say, we need to be a little more aggressive in who we lend for home lending. Uh, the, the other point is, is that housing, owning a house is not some kind of unalloyed good. I'm not, I'm not quite sure when we decided that owning a home is, is equivalent to you know, apple pie and Chevrolet and, and all this stuff. But there's nothing inherently virtuous of this. You know, Ed Glazer's made this point before. You know, people always trot out these statistics showing that people who own a house are more civically engaged, they're more responsible, they save more, and therefore this is caused by home ownership. It's 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 spurious logic, right? It's it's the causation goes the other way around. It's if you've got your act together, you uh, you're civically engaged in all these things, you have the wherewithal to buy a house. And and there's we we ascribe way too much uh, salutary behavior from the mere fact of someone owning a house. What are some steps that have been offered? You mentioned some tax plans that have been offered to sort of get the government out of uh, subsidizing debt, mortgage debt, yeah. at least, and uh, student debt to mm-hmm. uh, some extent. But what what else could we do to get the government sort of out of the way of allowing private markets to be uh, take a, that greater traditional role of allocating capital? Yeah. So I, I have this uh, piece I did a few months ago in the Weekly Standard, and I, I suggested we um, get rid of the bankruptcy exemption for student loans. Right now, if you're a student, if you have a student loan and file bankruptcy, um, you cannot get out of that student loan. And uh, the only other thing that's treated like this are uh, federal taxes. So um, there is no justification for this. And so what I've argued is you should treat it like any other debt. And uh, in effect, you should rearrange the system so that the university itself has some skin in the game. So if you file bankruptcy and you go out, the college has to pay some portion of that. I've talked with uh, Megan McArdle about exactly this point, and she suggests that the bankruptcy code in the United States is one of the great features of the United States because it, uh, the United States is all about second chances. And it seems that uh, having the lender uh, do more due diligence, that is, there's this implicit risk that they take in lending that at least with student lending, you're saying, is just not the case. No, absolutely. The federal government doesn't need to do due diligence. The the, the uh, college doesn't need to do due diligence. All they need to know is the federal government will guarantee it. Therefore, you can make the loan. You can be sure you're going to get your money. So, uh, we really we, there's a lot of things we have to fix there. Um, you know, the other thing um, we could do along these lines is. Um, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have created a lot of problems as well, and I think we need to do some kind of reform there as well. Um, the way it works right now, nearly every single uh, mortgage that's conforming, that is, it's less than six or 700000 depending on where you're at, is essentially bought by Fannie and, and Freddie Mac. Um, there is no private market, and so they really dictate the terms to w- uh, by which uh, people make, uh, make home loans. And... Um, th- Look, I think the securitization of home loans is a wonderful innovation. It's done a lot of good in the United States, but um, the idea that we have to have some kind of federal guarantee um, is, is, is just nonsensical. And I think what we've seen before is that Fannie and Freddie became inherently corrupt enterprises the last decade. Uh, they were just too tied to their uh, congressional patrons, and they made a lot of bad decisions, one of which was to uh, buy any single piece of uh, 
uh, mortgage that was available to them in order to encourage uh, home lending. Um, and I think we need to figure out how to radically reform this, if not just start over or get rid of it or let the private market do it. Ike Brannon is a visiting fellow at the Cato Institute. His latest piece, Government is a Lousy Lender, is in Regulation magazine. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>